Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and I have another special guest today. He's a former Clemson Tiger and a professional football player, and now he is the owner of Big Ben's Desserts. And today I'm sitting with Mr. Ben Hall. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for sitting down. It was, um, just listening to your story and the things that you've been telling me, mm-hmm. um, it's been very inspiring. So to start things off, um, you played football. So how did you end up choosing Clemson? Because like you were saying, you were a big-time recruit that you really didn't pay attention to it at mm-hmm. first. So how did you end up, ended up landing in Clemson so far? Well, as far as you know, transitioning from high school and choosing Clemson over all of the schools that were after me, I used to have you know all these big-name coaches and stuff recruit me. But Clemson came about because it was actually the only visit that my mother could attend. Mm-hmm. Me and her drove up there together. It was the only time she could find a day off in her busy schedule. She worked two and three jobs. So the time of the visit, she was free. And I drove us up there, and we had the time of our lives, man. And, and Clemson was uh, close by, which I didn't know at the time. And they were familiar faces. They would come down to my games. They would you know, show up at practices. So I got a real good relationship with them. So my mom, the only visit she could go on with was Clemson. It connected. Like, it made everything just – jail together what was your um experience like during your time in clemson um it was a great overall experience i learned so much it taught me so much it was a little bit rocky like some ups and downs Mm -hmm. but overall football experience you know i came in i was a freshman all-american so you know football was the easy part you know transitioning to school wise and class and, and keeping up with the standard of clemson academics and football that was the most challenging part i did have some personal issues off the field that kind of was almost going to lead me to wanting to leave Clemson, but um, it just came down to being a man of my word, uh, understanding that life happens and understanding that stay true to your commitment. So that's what kept me uh, at Clemson University and finishing out my years there. And 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 it was the time of my life. Like Clemson really changed my life and college itself changed my life. I noticed you said uh, one of the things I saw was uh, that you stepped away from it for personal reasons. Was mm-hmm. something about um, – was football not your top priority at the time? Was it education? What was the reason? Um, I think it was a lot of distractions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, uh, I had some family issues. I had some uh, deaths in the family, some things going on um, that were just, it was just distracting my mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Football has always been a love. Like I loved it. Uh, I loved the camaraderie. I loved playing the game, but it was never my life. Right. So it, it was never hard. You know, football could have stopped way beyond Clemson and I still would have been, you know, moving on with life. You know, football was more like a a happy place. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and and it just happened to to I just happened to be good at it. And so the personal issues just kind of took over. You know, took over my mind. So I really couldn't focus on school. I really couldn't focus on football because I had a lot of things that were just happening so fast outside of football that it just kind of took me off mm-hmm. for a minute. You think you would have gone to school if it wasn't for football? No. I can honestly say that just no. Because football, to me, was the gateway to opening up the school. Mm-hmm. Um, before football happened, my main focus was just getting a job and helping helping take care of my mom, like helping doing things around the house, getting a job and maybe you know paying some bills, things like that. But no, school was definitely not in my future. And I know it's... Um during your time, you were there at the same time Roscoe was there, right? Yeah, yeah. What what was he like to play with Roscoe? Man, it was just uh, I played against him in high school. We scrimmaged mm-hmm. each other. We had a jamboree, so I went to Union and played against him and just got a, a glimpse of who he was. And you know, at the time, not really knowing 
both of us being big names coming out of the state of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So connecting and being on the same team was just a special experience, man. I always tell Roscoe, I just seen him uh, a couple weeks ago, and I always tell him, man, he's a special player. It's just right. it's just easy to throw the ball to him. He makes things look effortless, and and he just he's just a phenomenal player. So playing on the same team is you know is a special memory. Yeah, I noticed because we're from that area, and okay. to us, Roscoe was he's a legend to us. Mm -hmm. He's like the standard in yep. Union, and um, I noticed that he had some things going on at the time too, where he when some of his accidents with his friends so mm -hmm. he kind of kind of derailed him um did that kind of bond did that kind of make you guys have a closer bond because some of the things that you went through as well as the things that he went through well i think all players in general man once you once you start playing football and moving up the ladder you start to understand that there's a lot of pressure that comes with that so you start to notice that there's there's a lot of players on the team everybody's going through something and i mm -hmm. think we just all handle it different some people have somebody they can call some people don't so it's kind of like you go through the same similar situations, but you don't know how to handle them. You know, you're young guys, man, on a big platform and you got a lot of other things going on and you're taught to be a tough guy. So you don't know how to handle it, who you can talk to without making fun right. of you. So, yes, me and him personally, we did bond because, first of all, coming from the state of South Carolina, playing against each other and mm -hmm. being two guys from kind of like the same background, you know, with father, fatherless homes in certain situations and um being good at a young age and having to step into these platforms. We both played as freshmen, you know, starting right. as freshmen and things like that. So it's, it's a lot of pressure. So it does help you bond with players uh, quickly. You know, being athletes, they're always in the spotlight. Do you feel like it was kind of a blessing in disguise that you kind of missed that social media era? Most definitely. Most definitely. I always said with a, with a, with a straight face, I'm glad that <laughs> Facebook was not around when I came out of high school because right. Like I said, I was the number one tight end in the country and didn't even know it um, simply because we didn't have social media. If we had social media, man, it would probably have been pictures, videos, all kind of stuff on there about me or, or just other athletes. And you would you would you would be comparing yourself. You would actually think you're somebody like you're some God or something, you know. So I'm glad I didn't come out of high school during the era of camera phones or social media. So. Towards the end of your career, were you focused on going pro or did you know what you wanted to have an idea what you wanted to do? Um, college wise, like towards the end of my college. Yeah, career? I told you end of your college career. Um, no, I just kind of took on the experience uh, kind of day for day, year for year. You know, you just kind of I didn't you know, people started saying some stuff about the NFL. Like, hey, man, you're ranked this way or this projected draft. You know, they started saying some things, but. I never latched on to it. I never let it get to me. I never let that steal my focus from the moment because I was still just enjoying Clemson University. Right. And, you know, when the moment came that you you realized that the NFL could be something in your future, you do kind of think about it and you're like, OK, well, this may be another opportunity. You know, you look mm -hmm. at the financial side of it that, that football can bring in the NFL. You look at the experiences. It's kind of overwhelming at first because you're like, wow, OK, school is over. Uh, not school, but, you know, football is coming to an end after four years at mm -hmm. Clemson. And it's like, man, that happened real fast. And now you're stepping into another dimension, the NFL, something you've heard about your whole childhood. And it's like it's already here. And then so it just kind of happened so fast. But I never gave it much thought at all. Not even as a kid, not even even in college. I didn't even really know what that was. Right. So with, uh, I noticed you, you played a little bit for, spent a little time with Tennessee and then Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then I think you went to Amsterdam, right? Yeah. Was it still fun for you? 
football. Mm-hmm. Euro- European football was real fun. I will say that. Uh, the NFL side of it, going to it, uh, initially it was a lot of stress. I can just honestly say it just, you know, coming out of Clemson um, with a little bit of uh, inconsistency, mm-hmm. especially with uh, football and with my game, you know, went from, you know, being a freshman All-American to kind of, I ain't going to say declining, but definitely declining in stats. I didn't have the best stats, you know. So it wasn't like I just knew I was going to go have a successful career. But going to the NFL was a wake-up call. It was kind of like, oh, this is it. You know, you kind of just get there and you kind of experience it, and then you put things in perspective. So the fun, it was fun, but I I will say it was the NFL was a lot of stress. It was a lot of stress, but it it was a great opportunity. It was one of those good stressful opportunities. But European football was probably some of the best football what was, I played. What was the most stressful part about playing professional? Professional? Um, not knowing. The the, mm-hmm. the business side of it. Like, I've seen guys just get cut in a matter of days. You know, you, you, you're you playing with a guy one minute, next minute he's cut. You know, and you start to see that, man, this is a business. Like, nobody – there's not a lot of emotion that's in this thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the best player don't always play. You know, sometimes – relationships take take you further than actual talent mm-hmm. when it comes to the NFL and things like that. So when you start to realize that, that, hey, I can sit here and play the best I can play and still may not make this team, and you see your friends around you that you came in with start to fall off by the wayside one by one, you start to get a lot of, it's a lot of tension, you're nervous, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and it just happens so fast. So that was mainly the most stressful part is just not knowing. There's no, there's no guarantees. There's no stability right one, one of the things i'm um marvel about lebron is that mm-hmm. he's a businessman like mm-hmm. he, he'll let you know that it's a business because at the end of the day the owners they're going to do what's in their best interest mm-hmm. you know, it's always like you have to think of it from a business perspective mm-hmm. and like you said you look at des bryant you know he wanted to always be a cowboy and mm-hmm. now he's gone like yep. he thought that they loved him and he was going to be mm-hmm. there forever and then all of a sudden he's gone so it's it seemed like it's a lot of you know, maybe some people say politics involved in it. So it is a, a tough thing. So I, I can understand how you see, like, you know, it's not, it can be kind of stressful in it. In yeah, way. It's, 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 it's very, very stressful and it's inconsistent. But like you said, LeBron does a good job with understanding right. that it's a business. He knows he's the mm-hmm. best player in the world, but he also knows that before long, he's going to be one of those guys you hear about on the news that's saying the Cleveland Cavs let LeBron go today or so-and-so let LeBron go or – a player of his caliber probably always gets a chance to retire in fashion. Right. You know, they'll respect that with him. But at the same time, his days are numbered and comes to an end as well. And that's just life. Right. And, and, and But I'm glad that he understands that it's a business. So he knows, let me get the most out of this business or out of my employer while I'm here. Absolutely. When did you know that it was time to let football go? Uh, probably in 2007. Uh, last time coming back from Europe playing European football. I'd been there previous, and then I went back for the second year and uh, had a blast again, had a lot of fun. Uh, Europe is, a, is, a, is an amazing place. I can't wait to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew when when it just wasn't in my heart anymore, like when the business had really overtook the heart, you know, because you love it for the game. You love it for the players. But then when you see the inconsistency, man, and you see the bouncing around with the teams and you know you're good enough to play, so that plays with your mind because you're like, I know I'm good enough to be here, but then how do I get connected with the right GM or right team manager mm-hmm. that wants to actually 
give me an opportunity to play. And then if I'm not ready, because, you know, some rookies can come out and get two to five years to develop. Right. And then you got some guys who come out and it's like one 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 mistake and you get cut. Yeah. So that's the reason that kind of made me realize, like, man, this is just such a. A long shot as far as like really getting with the right team is going to really groom, especially coming as a free agent. I wasn't drafted. So mm-hmm. not being drafted is one of them things to help you say, OK, nobody's really trying to baby me. Either I got it or I don't at this point. And once you've been around to a few teams and you realize you can play and you really that that was the main thing that made me let it go is knowing that, hey, I'm here. Out of all the years growing up as a kid and you hear things, you see things, and then you finally get them on the same field with these guys that are supposed to be the best in the world. And you realize, hey, I'm one of these guys, too. And you can sleep better because you like I've been there. I gave it my all. It was unfortunately the things that I couldn't control mm-hmm. that didn't allow me to be there. So it was easy to uh, just kind of put that put that chapter to rest. What was the um, skill that you learned from football, Wh- whatever it was that helped you prepare you for life? I would say definitely discipline was one of the things that I learned because it's like you don't get to be normal. I always I always say that. One of my famous lines that I tell people is you, you can't be normal and be great at the same time. They don't go hand in hand. So you realize in order to achieve something, you have to have discipline. You have to be committed. Mm-hmm. Um, it taught me about getting knocked down and getting back up. It taught me about brotherhood, loyalty. It taught me about staying Staying committed to something, even when it doesn't work out your way, because like at Clemson, I was going through some things, but I still stayed committed. Even, you know, I, I still paid my respect of saying, hey, I signed this letter of intent. I'm here to finish out my years. You know, mm-hmm. even when times got rough, I still stayed with what my commitment was. So I would say it just taught me a lot about the the, the, the main qualities, man, dedication, hard work, commitment, loyalty, brotherhood, just uh, perseverance, man, overcoming obstacles. Uh, it, it's football is really a mimic of life. Mm-hmm. I really can say that. Like the, the the things that you need to be a good football player, you can carry that right over into life and be successful as a, as, a, as a person in life. When you knew it was coming to an end, did you already have an idea of what you wanted to do? What no, kind of work you wanted to do? Man, no, <laughs> I was lost. I'm not even gonna lie. Like I was lost. I didn't know what was next for me. But it was something in my heart that I always knew that I could just do something. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew that if I did find something I loved or or latched on to, that I had it in me to kind of bring it to life or or just go all in. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I worked at a Sam's Club and I just gave Sam's Club being hard. You see what I'm saying? Like I just gave them who I was, the same qualities that I gave Clemson. I just gave it to Sam's Club. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, I I guess that what helped me move on is knowing that I knew who I was. Like, I'm a good person. I got good character. I, I'm on, I can be on time. I can be a good worker. And those type of things just helped me move from situation to situation until I found what it was that I wanted to do. I read an article in the Herald Journal, and it said that you also tried uh, landscaping mm-hmm. for a while. How long did you try to have your landscaping business? Um, it was a couple of years. I always loved outdoors. I always loved, uh, you know, my mom had me at a young age. I was about seven, eight years old. They had had me pushing the lawnmower already. So I learned early about being outside. I always loved the country, uh, riding the lawnmower, pushing the lawnmower. It didn't matter. I just loved hard work. I loved the sweat on my back for some reason. I just loved that feeling of like, man, I really got out here and made the yard look good today. Right. So 
Landscaping was a couple years. I don't think it was something that that I felt in my heart that it was like that I wanted to do for a long time. I just knew it was like a transition. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the landscaping, um, how did the cakes come about? Oh man, cakes is that's that's a whole nother journey, man. You sure you got time for that? Oh yeah, break it down, <laughs> break it down. <laughs> okay, um, cakes came out the blue. It came from actually like meditating on a, on a certain situation. You know, mm-hmm. when I talk about people wanting to change their life, it starts with you actually affirming that that's what you want to do. Like, so I was working a job at uh, Spartanburg Steel, and once again, knowing I was a good worker doing my job, that's not a problem. But I was looking for a way out. Mm-hmm. I no longer wanted to work for anyone else. I knew that my my purpose in life, I wanted to help people. And I knew that in order to do that, I needed my time. I needed to be in control of that. So I've never had a problem with a job. I've never had a problem with anybody working a job. I just knew that when you set the goal in life, when you say, hey, this is what I want to do in life. Like if you want to go be this or that, you have to understand, well, how do I make that happen? So when I said I wanted to go help kids, I wanted to serve my community better, I knew that came with not having a boss. I couldn't have nobody over my shoulder telling me, hey, you have to be here at this certain time. So I set a goal for myself, and I was just like, by a certain time of the year, I'm going to quit my job. I'm I'm not going to be working for anybody else by this certain time. And that was the start of it. It was just the actual setting of the goal. And then once I set the goal, that's when my mind started giving me ideas mm-hmm. and I started reading so many books. I have a few here with me today, but that's when I started reading a lot of books. That's when I started just transforming my mind and started thinking outside of the box. That was the mm-hmm. biggest thing, thinking outside of the box. Like, cause how does a football player transition from uh, football to baking cakes? So I've had an open mind and I could always make a banana pudding and, and mm-hmm. I called it my famous banana pudding. The first day I made it just playing around in the kitchen. So a guy at work, uh, I remember letting him try it. And he just kind of went crazy over it. He was like, man, this is some of the best banana pudding I ever had. And just kind of was giving me all kind of confidence about the banana pudding. And then I, it just hit me. It just hit my mind and said, hey, I'm going to put this banana pudding out here. And so that's how it came about. And through the banana pudding, people started challenging me personally to, can you make a red velvet cake? Can you make a, a lemon pound cake? You know, and so it just was like overwhelming. Like, oh, man, here we go. But that's when my football qualities kicked in and it helped me grow into an actual baker. So I just put the same qualities from football into being a baker, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's how cakes really came about. And so like you were saying, you just I always said at one point you just told yourself that you were going to quit. Mm-hmm. You just kept on saying you were going to quit. When do you know when it's time to jump? You, you'll feel it. Most of the time, man, with my situation personally, uh, I had this big plan in my head. Like I was going, I was going to save a certain amount of checks. I was going to pay a certain amount of bills up front. I was going, you know, I had this plan on my own. But without getting too deep, there's a way of training your subconscious mind to tell it what you need to do because that's what really controls us. It's our subconscious mind, mm-hmm. not our thoughts. We think we can just tell ourselves what to do and do it, but your, your subconscious mind holds a lot of weight when it comes to what your actions are. So that's what I started training. And I started training it so much and telling myself that I was going to leave my job. I actually just clocked in on a random Monday, ready to go to work. And it just happened. Mm-hmm. I just left. It was like an overwhelming feeling. But 
to put it in an actual pattern or, or an actual structure form, I would say you know it's time to jump when what you're trying to do is starting to interfere with your work. Mm-hmm. Like if you got a job and you cut grass on the side and next thing you know, you got more people wanting you to cut their grass and you have to go to work. So you start seeing it kind of mix and clash against right. each other. And that's when you that's when most people don't. That's when most people hold on to the most comfortable part. They say, hey, I'm going to keep this job because that's stability. And I'll mm-hmm. just make the people, the more people I got coming, I'm going to make them wait. And But in, the, in reality, that's your cue. Most people don't get all the way where they want to be with plan A because they keep a plan B. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's the meaning of jumping is going all in with plan A. And that's what I did. I gave it a chance, a true, a true chance. Most people just never give their gift or their talent or whatever it is they're trying to do. They never give it a true chance. Like they just kind of do both instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to jump all the way over here. And I'm going to just see what my life could look like if I gave 120 percent to this one thing mm-hmm. for, for a certain amount of time, just just to give it something. You know, that's why I could leave football, because I knew I had took it to the highest level. Excuse me. And. You know, I had gave it an honest chance, like I had stuck with it for about three years, you know, being bouncing around with the Cardinals, the Tennessee Titans back to the Cardinals. I was with the, I went back with the Titans twice and then two years in Europe. I felt in my heart that I had put my body through enough. I felt that I had gave it an honest chance and it just didn't work out in my favor. So I could walk away knowing that, hey, I did give it a chance. You know, a lot of times people don't leave their jobs or go all in because they fear of, you know, losing their possessions or and they have a family to feed and bills and everything. Do you feel like people nowadays are kind of, I hate to say the word program, but do you feel like they're programmed to just know one thing and just get up and go to work all the time? That's the perfect word. Don't don't hate to say program. Right. That's what it is. We're programmed. We're programmed until we reprogram ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Your mind can learn and do whatever you tell it to do. But if you let the world or your friends or who you hang around kind of get the most of it, whatever controls the mind the most is going to tell it what to mm-hmm. do. It's that simple. If TV, music, whatever you're giving access to your brain the most is going to control it. Leaving my job and starting to bake was not an overnight thing. It took months and months and months of telling myself, leave my job, leave my job. I got to get out of here. How can I make more money? Mm-hmm. It, it took a journey. That's what I'm saying. A personal journey to where I actually, you know, got by myself. Isolation. I didn't hang around my friends and family or hardly anybody anymore. It was just me. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do. They don't get isolated mm-hmm. in their life to find out what do I want for myself? They stay hanging around friends that are doing a certain thing. If, 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 it's like they always say, you show me your friends, I'm going to show you your future. Mm-hmm. So that's who has access to your brain, your friends, the, the top five people that you're around and everybody's working a job and everybody's talking about, man, we got to get this OT. Man, they got big checks. Right. Man, vacation time. If, if that's all that's in your mind, that's all you're going to see. It, it, it wasn't until I started paying attention to entrepreneurs. I had a boss that, I, that that worked for me, uh, not worked for me, but I worked for him at my old job. And even he had a job. I'm in a business outside of there. Mm-hmm. Then I had a friend that does that did hair. And I started to just see these people do their thing. And I was like, man, I can do something like that. Like I, I, I want to be in control of my time. I had no clue it would be cakes, but I did know 
I needed to be that, an entrepreneur. I needed to be in control of my time. So how do I do that? And that's all I'm saying. People got to give the brain a task. It can't mm-hmm. do what you don't tell it to do. So if you tell it, it, I put it in simple. Find out what it is you want out of life and then find out what it's going to take to get that. Right. So I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to serve my community more. I knew I wanted to spend more time in these schools and high schools and colleges. The only way to do that was entrepreneur. That, that was the only way to solve that problem. So it wasn't about it could have been Big Ben's floor sweeping. You see what I mean? But I knew entrepreneur had to be the way out because no job is going to put up with me and what I want to do. So it's nothing against a job. It's just realizing what I want out of life. A job can't give it to me. Right. It's, it's not about solely about money. But do you want to be wealthy? Do you want to leave something to your children and your family? OK, so what does that look like? How does that happen? A job doesn't do that. You may get a few benefits and 401k. All that stuff is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It sounds good on paper, but it's not guaranteed. Something could ha- happen. The company could anything crash. Could anything could happen. So we, we're programmed to be like, that's the best thing out here. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're programmed. And, it, and you, it's up to you as an individual to take your mind back from society and say, this is what I want to do. We don't mm-hmm. think for ourselves. You know, if you if you don't if you don't read books, if you don't train your own brain, that's what you are. You're going to be a robot because you're not giving yourself anything to think about. You're not programming you. You know, you should be your own boss. And when I, I talked to my friend, one of my interviews, Tevin, uh, he's a music artist, really mm-hmm. good music artist. And one of the things we talk about, I, I told him it was it's kind of weird in the feeling. It's, it's like you go clock in and then you see people go fall in line do the same daily mm-hmm. routine. So for me, when I was at work, I was just like, you know, this this is not the end for me. I was like, this can't be life. It's yeah. just not fulfilling to just mm-hmm. come in and just do the same thing over and over and over. So I'm, you just look at different ideas. So do you think it's a good idea for people to, you know, stay at their job and the money they're making invested in their future? Or do you think they just need to go all the way in? How is, what would be the best way to transition? Man, when you talk about transition, it can happen so many ways. You know, you could save a penny a day for so many days and still get a lot of money. Right. You mm-hmm. know, so it's just a matter of how small you're willing to start to how big you're trying to finish, you know. Um, but you're right. It it, it it starts in the mind because your mind is what controls you. Mm-hmm. So even even with all the the things that you're saying, it still comes down to that individual taking control of their own mind and saying, hey, this is what I want to do. You know, mm-hmm. they don't understand how powerful they are as a person. They don't understand the qualities that they have. One of the things that we fight in this world is self-esteem issues, um, self-confidence, self-love. All that has a lot to do with the choices that you'll make for yourself. Mm-hmm. I always tell people you're only going to achieve to the levels you believe. If you don't believe it, you're not going to achieve it. So it's like the key is to train your mind to believe bigger than what you're doing. Some mm-hmm. people only see themselves being successful at a job. Like some people only see that because they haven't learned a different avenue. They haven't taught themselves anything else. I didn't know about being an entrepreneur until I started researching it and started looking into it. And then I started seeing things and I started reading stories about, you know, Chick-fil-A and all these companies who started just like me at home, you know, cooking in the house or or one little uh, food truck on side the road. And now they have billion dollar companies. So Mm -hmm. uh, when you see that type of stuff, when you read about it, it, it makes you think bigger, like, wow, like there is a bigger life out here. It is possible to go from here to here, but this is what it's going to take. And I think a lot of people 
would rather get things the comfortable way with the least resistance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They want to take the path that doesn't have a lot of trails or, or a lot of a lot of scary things they're going to jump out. They want to take the path that's like a, a walk in the park and you can whistle and feel safe. And over here, there's another path that you can take that where you don't know what's going to happen. You know, we're, we're taught to be afraid of the unknown. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you just if you don't know what's going to happen, it's scary. Being an entrepreneur is scary, but it's, it helps you grow because the more you walk into those fears and face them, you get stronger, you get better. And you realize that what you was afraid of really isn't that scary once you keep achieving things. But so the job is just a comfort zone that just makes things easier. You know, like someone once said, the world is designed for the average person to be successful. If you think about it, you can go work at McDonald's and still get an apartment and a car and actually live. So the Mm -hmm. world is designed for you to actually function. It's only the 3% that actually believes in something bigger and goes after it. One of your sayings, I, I like that you said, was if your dreams don't scare you, they aren't big enough. Man, point blank. Like, Because you, you got to think about it. If I tell you to do something like pick up this water bottle, and I say, hey, man, pick up that water bottle, you don't even hesitate. You go pick it up. You do just like this because you because you know it's attainable. Your mind doesn't have to think. It does it. It's the thing that when I tell you, hey, man, pick that up, you get nervous. Like, oh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, let me stretch. Let me get my mind right for this. You know, right. that's when you're going after something. You had to prepare. You had to you had to really focus and say. Ah, and you did it, but you had to put a lot more effort in mm-hmm. it. So we are afraid to go after the things that we have to prepare for. That We have to do some stretching to get this thing off the ground. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if it's not scaring you, it's not big enough. Because if you if you believe you can do it, like if you just don't have to think twice about it, it's easy. That's an easy goal. That isn't big enough. That doesn't scare you. It doesn't make you nervous. Nine times out of 10, there's a billion other people that can do the same thing. Like you're not separating yourself. You're not doing anything different. It's it's it feels good, man, attacking things that you once were afraid of. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like waking up every day. I get to wake up every day and nobody tells me what to do. Right. I never thought that was possible. I thought you had to be a bum on the street or just, or just you know, staying with your mom or something like just, just not, just not working. Like I, I thought that was the only way that that could happen. Somebody else taking care of you, or you just, like I said, you're just living on the street or something. Mm-hmm. But to go from working a job every day, six and seven days a week, second shift, to saying, man, I, there's got to be more to this. This can't be into my life. And to actually bring that to reality, it only fuels you to say, man, why did it take me so long to figure this out? And what do I go do now? Now that I've gotten to this point, what's what's next? And I always use this example of this magazine, man. It blows my mind every time. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's just a magazine. It's, I'm not I'm, it doesn't. I'm very thankful and proud of it. But my point is, if I don't quit my job, this doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Does that make That's sense? True. Right. This my face on this magazine doesn't happen if I don't quit my job. So imagine everybody's life what their what what their face is not it because they don't make the the, the, the tough decision. They don't quit their job, so they never get this magazine. Right. You you get what I'm trying I to say. It. So it's so many things out here in this world for us to obtain. But we don't make the move. We don't make the step. Like I said, I can't I can't that magazine can't exist without me 
making the decision for myself to say, man, I got to quit this job. You're yeah. not even here interviewing me if I don't quit my job. Right. Think about it. So imagine how special life, what, what, what the life that you're giving away because you don't take control of your life. So imagine what's on the table that you're leaving on the table by not going after what you want. Earlier, um, you remember a couple of days ago when we talked, you said you wish you would have jumped quicker. Oh yeah. One of the things, that's one of the things you said. And, uh, do you think what, how, what would you tell people to do early? How soon would you encourage people to, you know, make that move in their life to do what they want to actually do what they want to do as early as possible. You know, I say that and I know people look at me and like, well, everybody's circumstances is different. And I get mm -hmm. that. But I call those excuses because everybody can come up with something. Life is always going to give you a reason to quit. You can be like, man, I got a little boy, man. I got a kid. I got this. I got a girlfriend. I got a wife. I got bills. Mm -hmm. Everything is an excuse. You can you can name off a million excuses. But I would tell you to make the mistakes early because the later you wait, the more life grabs a hold to you. And you, it gets real scary the older you get. Cause you gotta think about it. If you're young, uh, you could be a single man, no kids. You know what I'm saying? No mm -hmm. real bills coming in. Why not jump? Why not go to Japan and 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 try to start? Like like you know what I'm saying? Why not go to Africa and study history? Like do it now. Like do it now when there's not a lot of responsibility. Because the more responsibility that comes, the harder it is to break free. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, I prided myself on being a single man, uh, paying my bills on time. I had a, I had just bought a new car, just moved into a different place. So I got all of these bills coming. And then that's when I finally started to think about leaving my job. And I'm like, wow, you know, I just got a new car. I just mm -hmm. got this. I got all these bills. So I got a million reasons to quit. I got a million reasons to not go after my dreams or not chase anything and stay at the job and pay my bills comfortably. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say do it early when there's not a lot of responsibility. Do it early when the consequences don't hurt as bad. Like you can learn from them. I always tell people we can't get out of life alive. So why mm -hmm. are we trying to play this safe game as if we're going to make it to an end of, end of a video game or something? And somebody's going to say, congratulations, you made it out of life alive. It's not mm -hmm. going to happen. You see what I'm saying? Right. So take all the risks you want. Like it's never too late. So I just believe now. And then you, if you study a lot of successful people, they'll tell you, I wish I would have started sooner. Why didn't mm -hmm. I know this sooner? Why hadn't nobody told me this sooner? You know what I mean? Because I look at my life is not any different, but I feel like I gave. But and, and I believe that things happen for a reason. So don't get me wrong. So the jobs that I've worked, I'm very thankful for them. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for Sam's Club. I'm thankful for the NFL. I'm thankful for Spartanburg Steel. I'm thankful for anybody that ever employed being Hall and gave me a chance. But at the same time, I can honestly say that my mind wasn't on the level it was now. So now that it's on this level, there's not too many people they can even consider employing being hard. And that's just the honest truth. And it's kind of uh, it's funny because you kind of read my mind a little bit. I was going back to another one of your um, sayings. OK, kind of paraphrasing a little bit. You said, keep faith and give your best. The universe can and will. We'll move people, places, oh, and things in your favor. That's one of my famous quotes. I didn't. I, I just. It's just something I say all the time to myself. I always tell people because one thing we don't give credit to is God, man. And I don't. And I don't want to bring up religion and bring this big discussion behind it. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. All I'm saying is I believe in something that's bigger than myself. At the end of the right. day, that's basically what I'm saying. I don't know what color he, he or she is. I don't know all of that, but I do know that there's a creator. I do know that there's something bigger than me out here working. 
And and when you realize how powerful you are, when you realize that your energy and when you can manipulate things with your words, you can speak things into existence, you can work hard. I feel like when you actually just believe, like when you, you're only going to achieve to the levels you believe. So if you don't believe in something bigger than you, how mm. can you achieve big things? So that's the first step is saying, hey, man, I just believe I can do it. Mm. Thomas, this is how you know that the universe can move people, places, and things and circumstances in your favor. You got people that were given a dream or a vision that doesn't even seem possible. You can call me on this cell phone right now. You got a laptop that's sitting in front of you. We got all this technology around us doing the interview and cameras and things. Somebody had to create that, man. I'm sorry. That, that just yep. didn't come out of thin air. Somebody had to create that. And they didn't have all the resources at their fingertips to do it. When we got, when Thomas Edison created the light bulb or found out what to do with electricity, people called him crazy, man. You couldn't see that. Like, there's no way you could just say, hey, man, I'm going I'm to I'm make something that we can turn on lights. People called him crazy. They done wrote him off. They thought it was over. So I believe the universe can and will move people, places, and things because that's what it takes. If I ask you again to pick up this water bottle, you don't need no help. You don't look around and say, hey, man, I hope God can help me lift this bottle because you, you know you can do it. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the Bible and it says you can do all things, why do we get nervous? Mm -hmm. We get nervous when, he, when I ask you to pick up this house. You get nervous about that, but then you forget that there's somebody you can call on that can assist you to mm -hmm. pick up this house. And when you believe that you have an assistant that could do some big things, now it raises your mind to believe that you can do even bigger things because you like, I might can't do it by myself, but I know I have something out there, someone that's watching me, someone that wants to see me succeed that can help me pick up this building. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, the building is picked up. And I, and I believe, like you said, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. One of the other, one of my interviews, I interviewed Mr. Floyd Elliott, the okay. owner of Ricky's Drive-In. Mm -hmm. And he said, you, knew, you need to go talk to this lady. And I, I don't want to say her name right now. I'll tell yeah. you off camera because, she, yeah. you know, me and her were talking. Mm -hmm. And she said she doesn't really do a lot of promotion. But when I went and talked to her, she said, you know, I love what you're doing. But at some point. You just have to go all in. And she said, at the end oh, of the day, man. you're going to have to give up something. Because mm -hmm. she said, you know, I was doing the same thing you're doing. I, I was working another job. I don't know her, but I love her already. And then, and then she said, you know, you just got to go all in because that's what I did. And she said, 21 years later, here I am. And she, so she's been having her business for 21 years. Uh, she's uh, big time. She gets, she showed me the wall of fame with Magic Johnson and man, other people yeah. that came in. And she said, you know, you just step out on faith exactly. and go for it. And that's exactly what she did. She's been running her business for 21 years now. And, and see, you and see, that's what's going to happen to you as a person. You start. That's why it's so important to read and study successful people, because you start to hear the same things over and over. Mm -hmm. And they always say success leaves clues. So if you start to hear a lot of people that are successful start to say the same thing. Now, your mind actually starts to believe it. Like, well, this lady is right. I got to quit this job. I got to do mm -hmm. this because that's the only way I'm going to believe in it. It wasn't until I quit my job, cold turkey, on a random Monday that actually scared me enough to go all in with cakes. That It wasn't until then that I said, man, I can't play around with these cakes no more. I got bills coming. Mm -hmm. So if somebody order a cake, I need to make the best cake I could possibly make. I need to have that cake on time. I need to have that cake in a great pre presentation. Everything stepped up a notch. 
once I quit my job. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Because all I, all my time, energy, and focus went into that cake. No more mm -hmm. distractions. No more people. Hey, why you want to hang out? What for what? I gotta make cakes. See, once we realize that we're powerful, we if we just put our mind and energy into the right things, it'll manifest. It'll grow. You start to see amazing results, and and that's the biggest thing. Step out on faith. That's the hardest thing for people to do is to actually say, and you know what faith is inevitably? Faith faith is like one of the things is where you believe in what you can't see, right? Mm -hmm. But faith is also believing in yourself. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. Believing in yourself that you can achieve something that, that isn't that doesn't exist right now, but you still believe in it, right? Mm -hmm. Like like so so faith is also believing in the creator that 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 that, that exists, but it's also believing that hey. Even though I can't see this, like faith, faith is this magazine again. I had I keep showing you this <laughs> only because it's, it just reminds me of faith. This is what faith looks like. So I'm giving mm -hmm. you a physical example of what faith looks like. Faith is quitting your job, not seeing this, but believing that it can happen. Mm -hmm. There's no storefront. I'm on here like I got a cooking show in a storefront somewhere. Right. That's what right. it looks like. It looks like I got a storefront, a cooking show, and I'm being hard. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I'm one man, one stove. So that's faith. Faith is believing that, man, I don't have to have all this stuff that I think I need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Right? Faith is saying I can start small. I don't have all the money, but I believe that I'll get it. Right? Mm -hmm. Faith is saying, man, I don't, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's, it's going to happen. That's faith. And sometimes in order to strengthen your faith, you have to take away an option. You know, I don't know the exact names, but there was a famous there was a, a, a leader back in the war days who took a group of guys over to this island on some ships and he got off the island. And let's just say they were outnumbered 30 to one. Right. Mm -hmm. So when they got there. They were scared. They were ready to get back on the ships and sail back home. Mm -hmm. But he took the fire and burned the boat. So he burned the ship so they, they couldn't leave. They actually won the war because he took the option away from them to retreat. They had no choice but to win if they wanted to survive. And that's the situation you got to put your own self in. You got to put your own back against the wall in order to get the best out of you. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? The only Absolutely. way you get the best muscle has to be torn to get stronger. That's what life is. Life is just chipping away at you, making a beautiful sculpture. You don't get a beautiful sculpture until you get chipped away enough. You hear all that knocking and then you blow it off and say, man, that's beautiful. And a lot of times people don't do it because of the fear, like mm -hmm. you're saying, the fear of the unknown. Like they don't they don't know what's going to happen next. Well, how important is it to actually invest in yourself? Self-investment is the best thing because it's the number one thing that you, you get an uh, immediate return on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can invest in a business and they say, well, in 12 years, we'll give you 20 percent of your money back. Right. Mm -hmm. Or and they could fail and you don't get no money. You know what I mean? Like investments are scary. Because it's like, man, I could go, you could go buy this laptop and it crashed on you and there's no warranty, right? Mm -hmm. But if you invest in yourself, that's the best investment you can make because you grow and you immediately get the results and the reward from investing in yourself. So that's why a self-investment is the best investment. It wasn't until I started reading books, self-investment. People used to tell me, they say, man, why don't you go online and buy the books? I said, no, I actually want to have it. I want to possess it. I want to be able to look at it again and again. I want to be able to take notes and write down stuff. And these were the best investments I could ever make in my life.
This book mm -hmm. right here, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, on the cover it says this book could be worth a million dollars to you. That's that's the yeah. type of you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they're telling you when you buy this book, look at the investment that you're getting. You pay uh a couple bucks for it, but it could be worth a million to a you. A lot more. Because you're self-investing in yourself. So a self-investment is the best investment you can make because like I said, you get an immediate return on it. You know what I mean? It's it's yours to keep. You don't have to give it back. The information that you get, nobody can take it away from you. I know you're saying that, you know, it's kind of a mind thing, but how how do we get people to just get out of that safe mode of just playing it safe, going to these jobs and just mm -hmm. relying on them? How do how do you is it a way to get people out of that safe mode? I think in 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 short, man, people have to want it for themselves. That's that's the first step. You know, you ever hear a message that pertains to you, but you're not in a space to receive it. You know, mm -hmm. you ever been in like, here's something you say, I know that's something I need to do. But right now I'm just not ready. Right. Yep. But, but, the, but, yep. you, but you heard the message. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something you need to do. But in your mind, you're not in a you're not in a good space to receive the message. Mm -hmm. So I think the first step is that person individually has to has to be ready to make that commitment in that step. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that would be my first thing. I don't think it's a way to just snatch somebody out of their seat and make them do something. You know, mm -hmm. like you can't make somebody want it for them, making somebody want it. You could just just like inspiring people. I mean, motivating people. I could talk to you right now and get you pumped up, man. And you go out and out there and scream and jump and do all kinds of things. And in 30 minutes, you're tired and you're taking a nap. But to inspire you is to light a fire inside of you that's not going to go out because you want it that bad. You. Mm hmm. Or you have a reason behind why you do what you do, right? So people don't understand. I bake cakes because look at the vessel. Look at the time it gives me. So I love baking for what it allows me to do. But I do it for something bigger than me. And that's why I keep going no matter how tough it gets. That's why I keep going. So, you, but, but I had to be in a space to receive that message that, when I started reading books, I was in a space to where every word I was reading was speaking to me because I was in a space to receive it. So when you say, how do we get people to do things? You can't. Mm -hmm. People are people. People do what they want to do. But you can only be the example. And that's why I lead by actions. I, I don't do a lot of talking as far as saying, hey, look at me. I just want to say, hey, I came from the same place you came from. That's why two people can grow up in the same environment. Two people can grow up without a father. Two people can grow up in poverty. Two people can grow up in the projects and all of this stuff that people say, oh, I grew up with all this against me. But how come one man can grow and get out of it and the other man is stuck? One believes he can. One receives the message that he knows he can. And one wants it bad enough to go through whatever it's going to take to get out of that. It's just that simple. But as individuals, we can do and achieve anything we would, we put our minds to. I love what you also said. You block your blessings by staying in your comfort zone. Oh man, that's that's big. That's big. That's 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 why I love like speaking and quoting myself mm -hmm. because it's like it reiterates it back to me. So just hearing you call this stuff out, man, is just it's bringing me back to when mm -hmm. I first started because it's, I had to live by those words. I always say I'm never going to give somebody food that I wouldn't eat myself. So my own words, when I talk, you, we block our blessings. It's, once again, man, look, 
magazine. That's what I mean <laughs> by blocking your blessings. If I don't quit my job, this don't happen. You get mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say? Right. That's So that's blocking your blessings. Blocking your blessings is staying in your job, staying in your comfort zone, staying in your normal routine, and then you this doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So that big business that you're going to own one day, it's already there. Mm -hmm. It's waiting on you. Everything that people want is waiting on them. It's like I tell people, you can you can bite into a watermelon, a big juicy watermelon. You love watermelon? Oh, I like yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you can bite into that watermelon, right? And there's a seed, plenty of seeds in there. And you can take those seeds and hold them in your hand. Yep. You can put them in a bag for years and it won't do anything. But the moment you take one of those seeds, dig a hole by this deep, put some water on it. Now, all of a sudden, a tree is growing. A water, another watermelon tree is growing. Why is that? So that's what we are. We are nothing but seeds waiting to be planted to grow into whatever we mm -hmm. want to grow in. But a lot of us never simply we don't plant ourselves. We don't do the work first. We don't plant ourselves. So it's like we blocking our blessing. We blocking this beautiful tree that's going to be it, that could be here one day because we don't plant the seed. We never plant the seed, but we want the tree to grow. It doesn't happen like that. You could you could have I don't care what kind of seed it is. I ain't never seen a seed grow in somebody's hand. That's true. But the moment you put it in the ground and put some water on it, voila, we got a big tree growing. And people are like, mm -hmm. where did that tree come from? Like, it happens all the time. Sometimes, uh, like, birds will carry seeds and drop something off in somebody's yard. And before you know it, they got this rock wild tree growing out of nowhere. And they're like, how did that get here? Somebody planted a tree. Somebody planted a seed. So, yes, we block our own blessings by, not, for one, not believing in ourselves. Mm -hmm. For two, not taking the necessary steps. And like I keep showing this magazine, it's not that the magazine is like so big, you know, like I'm some famous person. Mm -hmm. I show it to you just to show the things that don't exist if you don't make the first step. You know what I mean? So having a business, eat big beans, desserts, nobody would have ever tasted a cake. I would have never been able to quit my job and go speak to all the kids that I spoke to in the schools and colleges. That don't happen. If I don't believe in myself and quit, so I could have easily blocked all the blessings that I received thus far. And I think the comfort zone, like you're saying, it's crucial because for me, I just use myself, my, get mm -hmm. my experience. Just knowing when I just, in my experience in sports and broadcasting, mm -hmm. it just, it just felt more fulfilling to me. Mm -hmm. So when I just go to these jobs, I'm just like, you know, it's, I just feel like I'm not even meant to be here. So just staying out of that <laughs> comfort zone and going, reaching out to you and other mentors it that that's what pushes me to keep doing what i do now because it's more fulfilling and i know if i stayed in that comfort zone mm -hmm. i would just be fit, just going in punching in um picking up a paycheck and to me it's like life is more than just a paycheck man it's way more than a paycheck mm -hmm. bacon is like i said when i started baking i wasn't making money to i could man i barely could pay nothing mm -hmm. it wasn't about the money but the freedom the peace of mind to get up every morning and not have to answer to no one, man, that was priceless. It still is priceless. You can't, you can't buy that, man. And 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 for to do what I love, when somebody says, "Can you come speak to these kids? Can you come to my school? Can you come do this?" I don't have to pick up the phone and call nobody, or I don't have to say, "Hey, uh, let me see if I can request some vacation time." Let me see. I don't have to do that anymore, and that's a great feeling. So that. Bob Proctor said one thing. He said, the cave we fear to enter has the treasure we, we seek to find. 
right? So it's like you stay in your comfort zone, so you never go over there and find that treasure, mm -hmm. man. It, it, it your comfort zone will all it'll just keep you in, a, in like a robot, man. And there's so much life to be lived, man. I always talk to people and I tell them about going to Europe and things like that. It's a beautiful place. And it's like I would have never knew that had I not stepped outside of my comfort zone, had I not believed that, man, I can do this. It's not that mm -hmm. scary. And like I said, the, the main thing is we try to get out of life alive. Like we really believe that we can just hide up under this rock and walk this certain path every day and come home. And we're going to make it out alive. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to make it to the end of the video game or something. Mm -hmm. That's what people think. Like some people are just afraid to take risks. They just, they just, they don't even like dogs. They don't like spiders. They don't like taking a walk in the woods. They don't like anything that could possibly threaten them being here tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So they never get to experience life. And, and I'm just one of them people. I just can't live like that. I, I, I got to take risks. Because it's, it's not fulfilling if I don't risk something for it. Like, you feel better when you achieve it and you say, whoo, boy, we, whoo, we almost got mm -hmm. caught. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, <laughs> that feels good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I feel you. And one of, one of my other favorite sayings is opportunity is more than is worth more than a paycheck. Mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of times for me, when I was covering sports, you know, I, I loved doing it. Mm -hmm. I was I was interning, not making any money. Yeah. But I knew that was so fulfilling to me that, that I, I didn't care about doing it. Do you feel like people place more value on their possessions than just going after what they truly oh, yeah. love. Yeah. But see, that's what makes people stay in their comfort zone. I always use this example. If you if you could knit sweaters, right? But this job pays you a thousand dollars a day over here. Right? But you love knitting sweaters. You'd stay over here if you value money. But if you value what you love, you put your love in knitting the sweaters, right? Not even knowing that one day your sweaters could be worth a million dollars a sweater, right? Mm -hmm. But you'll never know that because you value this immediate satisfaction. Mm -hmm. You value this comfort money right here. So, and but to go about what you're saying, if you do what you love, like that's priceless. Mm -hmm. You can't put a price tag on waking up doing what you love. There's some people that man, they 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 live in what you call poverty, but they they the most happiest people in the world. Mm -hmm. Money doesn't make you happy. People people really have to understand that. And I know you have to really have money to to, figure, to find that out. You'd be like, well, I got money and it does make me happy. Yeah, but it doesn't take away every problem. Like problem, life is still life. You know, money is just a tool. It's just able to get you things. It's able to buy you things. It's able to make things happen. It's able to build a house. It's able to tear down a house. It's able, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So money is a tool that can work for you. But if you value money, then you'll be a slave to it. And nine times out of ten, you compromise your happiness to keep it. But when you love something, there's no compromising. There's no there's no stress about it. You you got more peace of mind. And I value that over everything. So it's definitely not the money that I've been chasing. I would have stayed at my job and pay, paid my bills comfortably and been living, you know, comfortably. But the opportunity that I've done and where I'm headed. You can't put a price on it. One of your fa uh, sayings that I, I found this part really crucial as well. Mm -hmm. You said women, I'm paraphrasing this once yeah, again because yeah, it yeah. was a lot, but I broke it down. Mm -hmm. Women have a way of helping us reach levels we never knew we could, but it's not her job to be our punching bag or, or put up with us until we get it right. Mm -hmm. We are 
We are men to provide, protect, and be fathers. Mm-hmm. Lead and give her stability, grow, and have a vision that includes her. Mm-hmm. Break that down for me, Ooh, Man, you took it to the relationship level. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, first of all, my mother's my hero. She's a woman, obviously. And she just really taught me at a young age that was this power, the respect of a woman. But she also taught me the strength of a woman. And, and when your mother says, you know, it's like if somebody want to get in a fight with you. And nobody's around. It's a different story. But then your mother come out the door and say, you better get him. Oh, man. You, you got to get him. <laughs> you finna hurt this yeah. dude. You finna put a whooping on this boy. Mm-hmm. You know, my mama watching, yeah. man. You know what I'm saying? So just that feeling right there lets you know how powerful a woman mm-hmm. is can enhance you to do great things. If nobody's mm-hmm. watching, you may act one way. You may fight. He may, he may even win. But if your mama comes out that door and says, boy, you better whoop his butt. Gotta take Lord it up another bless. level. Lord bless yeah. you. It goes to another level. So did I not just prove my point right mm-hmm. there of the power of a woman? Mm-hmm. How just her being involved in your life can enhance you as a man. Do you think we take women for granted? I can't speak for all men. I know it's a lot of men that respect women. I have a high mm-hmm. respect for women. I think we take women for granted because we haven't like we use our own insecurities sometimes against the woman, like just because we aren't where we want to be in life. We feel mm-hmm. like that she's supposed to stick with us and we drag her through the mud until we get where we mm-hmm. want to go. It doesn't work like that. A man is supposed to have a vision. A woman loves a man that has a vision because she knows where they're going because he can take her somewhere. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the, the old saying, you want to ride or die chick, but you ain't got no destination, mm-hmm. right? But when you have a vision and a woman can get into that vision and she, she, oh man, that's what a woman is made to do. That's what she mm-hmm. loves to do is support her man and say, oh, I see where you're going, baby. What do you need? What can I do? Mm-hmm. But if you ain't got no direction, you don't know where you're going. She lost. She gets frustrated. And then because mm-hmm. she's frustrated at us, we want to get mad at her when she ain't doing nothing but trying to tell us the truth. Right. So I feel like when women are not made to sit there and just absorb our pain and we what we going through because we don't know how to handle our own insecurities. Mm-hmm. And sometimes men, like, like I always tell women, you if a man doesn't love himself and know where he's going, he ain't no good to you mm-hmm. because he's inconsistent. He doesn't have a, no drive, no vision, no anything, right? But when a man has drive, vision, I'm telling you, he his woman becomes an asset. And I say that as a single man, so I'm not... Saying that you, but if you if you look at history, most men and women sometimes, most but most men that have done any great thing has had a strong woman by his side, or he's been completely single and focused, you know, and, and driven. There is no in between. Or if the woman is not right for him, she can pull him down. So it goes both ways. But I just feel like men can take women for granted mm-hmm. because I think we haven't found out their true gift. I think women are one of the, just the most beautiful thing ever. I think they're one of the most, they, they are the strongest thing ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at mother nature, a woman just mimics mother nature, man. They can bear a child. They can birth something out of them. I mean, dude, we could go all day about this. I mean, women are just that beautiful and powerful. And once you understand who they are and how they can enhance you as a man, now together you you, you can achieve anything. But the key for a man is to find the right one, mm-hmm. the right one that's willing to be molded by him. You know, Dr. Miles Monroe said something that made so much sense. He said, if a man, if a woman is not what a man wants, it's his fault. 
because it's his fault to mold and mold and cultivate the woman into what he wants, right? So if if he he he's married and he's unhappy or he doesn't have what he wants, it's his fault. And if you're being a man in a relationship and you allow a woman to be a woman, you'll get a whole another woman, man. I'm telling you. Do you feel like how 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 do how do we find that balance for 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 example I'll I'll use myself in this example mm-hmm. I'll, I've been with my woman for my I call her my queen yeah. because she yeah. is my queen mm-hmm. and we we've been together Love for that, for eight years since my freshman year in college mm-hmm. you know I, I've done some things to her that I that was wrong mm-hmm. but she's still stuck by my side uh-huh. so now you know going after my dream she fully supports me we have. Uh, two children, mm-hmm. uh, another one on That's the way, man. and uh, so, wow. but she still she still supports me, and uh, you know she's like you know I want to try to find that time, but you know I'm like you know I'm I'm doing this for us, mm-hmm. but I also know that she needs her time as well. How how do we, for I like I've been saying I'm using my example. How do we find that balance to kind of? I think it's just a matter of you actually. Like there's an old saying that's, that's, that that to be true. We make time for what's important. Mm-hmm. And I listened to a guy named Art Williams that actually said that tunnel vision is not a good thing. You know, it can be a good thing, but he also believed that a, a man has to have his family too. Mm-hmm. If he has a family, then his family should serve in his time of motivation as well. Just being around his family, just making time for his family should motivate him. Now, I do understand it's hard because your dream can consume a lot of you, mm-hmm. you know, and a woman needs time and attention as well. And she can be as understanding as possible as long as the results are coming in, mm-hmm. right? As long as you're showing right. her some results. Like a woman, you bring on that paycheck. She said, okay, you was yeah. at work. I believe <laughs> yep. you. you. know, But I think it just comes down to you as a man uh, being creative. You know, mm-hmm. uh, When you're in a situation like that where you have kids and, and a woman that's been by your side and it's time to make time, then it, you, know, you have to do some surprising things. You have to say, okay, today I made sure I'm not doing nothing that concerns anything else. And just you know, show her that you're trying. Mm-hmm. You know, short thought and effort goes a long way. It could be a mm-hmm. picnic table on an old broken bridge, but if mm-hmm. you put thought into that and you gave it some effort, that's that's all a woman is really trying to see. Sometimes, man, you know, and and, and in our mind, we think of the bigger picture, you know, because I'm hard on myself as a man, and I'm like, hey, I want to take care of the woman. I don't want my woman exactly working. how I feel, you know, and we and we let that overcloud us sometimes as far as. That still doesn't mean you can't take a little quick lunch break and go surprise her. You know, don't mm-hmm. let the bigger picture cloud you and feel like you got to go go be a millionaire before you can come back right. and, and do. Because you got this stuff in your head that you want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to get limo. I want to fly out here. Like you got these fact. big dreams and she fact. don't see that. Right. Mm-hmm. So she frustrated you. You trying to tell her like you just don't know what I'm trying to do. You know, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And y'all battling because you ain't expressed yourself. Mm-hmm. She's just looking for a little bit of tea time and you thinking about this big mansion mm-hmm. you're trying to buy and she don't see it. But what you don't understand is in the middle of going after that mansion, just give her a little tea time, make a little tea time. So I, I think thought and effort is how you get uh, past those tough days and how you make and it's, it. It's important because I mean, she's, she's been with me when I, I was, since I was 18. Mm-hmm. So she's seen me from when I was broke, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have a car, uh, come to the dorm room. We Buy me oodles and noodles yeah. and pop tarts. So she's seen me from having nothing to where I am now. Mm-hmm. So it's that's why I put a lot of pressure on myself because yeah. I'm like she deserves it because she stuck with me through everything. So yeah, well, it's, it's it's crucial. It's crucial, man. But you also got to realize, man, women are nurturers, man. That's what they mm-hmm. do. 
and 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 you know we feel like we owe them a lot, which we do. When you got a woman that's that's uh, sticking by you and understanding you, I think because the biggest thing is the one, the biggest quality that that's, that uh, attracted to me in a woman is understanding. There's nothing mm-hmm. like a woman that can understand my mind and my vision and, and can support that. You see what I mean? I value mm-hmm. that over anything because understanding is how we get along. Understanding is how we wake up beside each other every day and still function. If we don't understand each other, we clash every day. But but long as she understands my vision and I may be out or something or even on her end, she may come home late or something or whatever the case may be. When we're on an understanding page, our mind doesn't wonder. It doesn't go Mm -hmm. off. We don't we don't go off into that. Oh, you must have been doing this and doing that. But when a woman you have a woman that shows that type of loyalty and and that means she loves your heart. She understands Mm -hmm. your heart. So, yeah, you you put that pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what you want to do. We we do it to ourselves, man. Any type of pressure or stress that we have in our lives, we bring it on ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like a monk mentality that says desire is like the root of stress, right? Mm-hmm. But it could be good stress. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, because you desire to be rich, you're stressing. But if you lose the desire to be rich, you you at peace, mm-hmm. right? That's true. So. You can't blame her because you desire to take care of her. Mm-hmm. She's loving you right here, right yeah. now. You just desire to do more, so you're bringing the stress on yourself. And, and we should be hard on ourselves right. as men. I'm just trying to give you a point of how to put it yeah. in perspective. Because she always tells me, she's like, you know, these jobs come and go. She said, I don't care about none of that stuff. I don't care about the money, Man. anything. She's just like, I'm here for you. I We don't, we don't have to have none of this stuff at the end of the day. I'm, I just care about being with you. That's all she tells me. But you me know all what? The time. That's the best thing you can have. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because she's giving you the freedom to do what you want to do. I'm not talking about going out and party. I'm talking about she's letting you say, hey, man, we might have to be broke for a little bit so I can go after this big goal. Mm-hmm. That, that's what you you need. A, man, a woman it's like that, that, that's understanding, that says, hey, you if you, if you go work at Food Line and bag groceries so you can have more, like, like I'll, I'll eat a little less. That's the key. You got mm-hmm. something good, man. You got a great yeah. understanding woman. So don't look at it as a bad thing. Look at the look at the positives in what she's right. saying. She's saying, hey, baby, stop putting all this pressure on yourself. If you want to quit your job and go after your dream, then do it. We ain't got to mm-hmm. drive this type of car right now. We ain't got to live in this type of house right now. I'm still going to love you. Boy, that's a good feeling. That's big, yeah. Because that takes a lot of pressure off you as a man saying, okay, even though I want to do these things, she truly understands why I can't mm-hmm. right now. So she ain't afraid of taking a step back to move forward, man. That's a that's a yeah. beautiful thing. Man. She's all she really asked for is just you know just make time, figure out a way. And that's make that's time. why I told and you. And I think that's my problem really because I'm so a lot of times I get teed and hey I tell them I'm, I'm doing this interview, this interview. Okay, I I don't mind you doing it. Just make sure you have time for us to do what we have to do because we have another one on the way as well. Sometimes, man. It, as hard as it may sound, you have to include her. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you come. Y'all can be in the library or wherever you're doing it. And, you know, just just anything to show effort and thought. Right. Because that's going to be your main thing right now. When your time is tight, thought and effort is key. That's just like if you work, you and your wife are workaholics. She works all the time. You work all the time. And her office building is uh, on the fifth floor of a building, right? Mm-hmm. And y'all swamp. But in somehow you found a way to make a good year blimp go by and say, hey, baby, I was just thinking about you. Do you know what that would do for her in the the midst of all of that chaos and busyness? That would make her day. 
So that's all you need to think about right now. When it mm -hmm. comes to making time, don't think about, oh, I need to grind, 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 grind so I can get these next three days to take her on this trip. No, think small. Say, what can I do today to make her day? Even if it's right. a quick call, or even if it's a uh, writing her a letter. You know what I'm saying? And say, hey, this was in the mailbox for you. Just something. And then she reasoning and says, hey, I know I've been busy. You know, just explaining yourself, man, just the little things, man. That's all. That's, that's what people don't understand. I got this saying. I also say, don't sweat the big thing. No, don't 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 sweat the little things. Because mm -hmm. in the end, they all like everything is all small. Like we make something so big out of nothing. But in the end of the day, it's all small. Mm -hmm. You ever flew in a plane? No, I haven't. Kind of scared too, but it, one day I want to. Man, I'll, a plane I'll, I'll is try. the best way to travel. I know it was just on the news about a plane engine blowing up and one person died. Nah. But I'm here to tell you, it's more dangerous to drive in a car than it is on a plane. But I say this because the first time you drive on a plane, this is going to be special for you. When you get up there, I want you to look down. And I want you to see all the big buildings and stuff that you rolled past. And you say, God, that building looks so small from up here. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about your problems and what you think is big stuff. And I want you to look at it from that eye view and realize how small That's it small. really is compared to what what's really going on. And I think a lot of people try to make it about them. And we try to consume ourselves with just our problems. And we want so much sympathy and everybody, hey, look at me. I'm going through something. But in the end of the day, man, it's all small stuff. And when you kind of put that in perspective, you move on faster, man. You you live a little better. So that's what I tell people. A couple more questions and then we'll get out of here. Oh, no problem, man. What's what's the biggest sacrifice that you've had to make? Ooh, there's a lot of them, man. Mm, there's a lot of them. That is a good <laughs> question. Because there's so many of them. And I'm trying to think of what's the biggest one. I would, man, oh, man, I would just say, like, we just touched base on it, actually. Time, man. Mm -hmm. Like, time is something you can't get back, man. Time is, like, your biggest asset. So when I say time, I mean, it's like it's so many, like, my mom and, you know, my nephews, and I love my family so much, and it's like they may not even know it because I, I, I sacrifice time right now. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm so consumed with what I'm trying to do, man. And I just hope people understand. It's like my best friends and friends and I'm single. I don't have a relationship, no kids, mm -hmm. no nothing, man. You know, I was I was celibate when I first started my, my bacon thing. And I bring that up because it's so powerful, because it, it just it just shows that. There's always going to be a, a like a, a give and take, man, mm -hmm. like there's no easy way to do it. And I think that's the hardest thing about being successful or, or trying to be great at something is just knowing that you would love for it to be this smooth transition, man. Like you would love for it to say, man, I can quit my job. I just got, I just saved up 50,000, man. So yeah, me and the wife, man, I'm going to quit and I'm going to, we're going to go out and mm -hmm. go skiing for a little while. Like we would love for things to transition that smoothly, but it doesn't. So I love people, man. I love my family. I love my friends. I, I just, I, I sometimes I want to just be able to like, like when I was younger, not, I ain't gonna say younger, like I'm old, but I used to take my nieces and nephews, like I used to just randomly go pick them up and say, man, we're going to Frankie's front park. And, you know, I just call my friend and say, hey, man, we're going out to eat. Call my best friend and, and, and my homeboys and, hey, we're going out to eat. You know, just random stuff, just mm -hmm. being able to be, just spend time, man, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a simple person, man. So I just love spending time. And so 
I think that's the biggest thing I've had to sacrifice mm -hmm. is just my time with the people I love. I know um, I interviewed my cousin, Sharon P. He plays for the Jets now. Mm -hmm. And he said, I asked him, did he feel like he owed anybody? He said he didn't necessarily feel like he owed anyone. Mm -hmm. He said he just, in terms of money or whatever, he said he just owed, maybe owes him in time. He like getting back to him and spending more time with people because now he's, you know, he's on the road and traveling and playing ball. So now he, he just feel like he wish he just could give him more people more time now. Because like at saying. the end of the day, that's all you have, man. Mm -hmm. That's your biggest asset, man. And so... When you really have to start sacrificing that that time, it's just like you just covered it with your with your uh your queen, man. Mm -hmm. You just said it. Time, like you just said it. Time is always our biggest battle. Mm -hmm. I, out of everything I say, I'm sacrificing, man. I would say I have to sacrifice time of actually sometimes having a life, and that's what keeps people from being successful is because they actually put things more important than actually themselves. Mm -hmm. Like somebody would rather go, oh, the football game is on Sunday. You know, I ain't never been one of them guys. I, I don't knock it, but I ain't never been one of them guys that say, I got to go watch this football game. Or I got to, you know, so-and-so playing. And mm -hmm. I got to go see it. No. So it's a, it's, a, it's a plus and a minus. It's a plus that you're able to put your time and do what you need to do with your time. It's a minus that sometimes what you need to do with your time has to come before what you would want to be doing with your time. Mm -hmm. Right? right. So time is always going to be. But I see this bigger picture. And that's why I'm like, man, I feel like I know when I get where I need to be, it's all going to be worth it. Because now I'm going to be able to just bring that. I ain't going to be able to get the time back, but I'm going to be able to start where I am now mm -hmm. and, and invest time in it now. Like, like it was so worth it to get to this point to now be able to come back to this point and say, come on, we're all going on a family trip. It's already paid for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. So that's what I work hard for. And uh, when we were talking about sacrifice, you also said uh, being celibate. Did you feel like that helped you focus more? Most definitely. Most definitely. It, it wasn't like, oh, you got to have sex or something like that. It, it wasn't that type of lifestyle. It was more like energy. Mm -hmm. Energy is real. And, and without getting too deep, it's basically saying when you can put your focus and energy in, into different things, because you got mental, sexual energy and all, all that stuff is powerful, man. And mm -hmm. when you can channel that, when you can put that energy into one area and learn how to control your energy or put your focus on where it needs to be. It's like when you were young, you could easily find what you were looking for because that's where your focus and energy was. It was easy to find where the party was because that's what yep. you woke up trying to mm -hmm. do, where the party at night. So it was easy to find it. So it's like we don't we don't really realize how powerful we are because we got our energy scattered, scattered mm -hmm. out. But when you take all of the things that the temptations and things that control you out, of the equation, now you have all that energy to say, what I want to do with all this energy today and put it in one direction. And so I owe that to being credited to, to just showing, you know, my, 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 um, my progress in less than three years, man, just, mm -hmm. you know, magazine covers, interviews and winning taste of the upstate twice, just, just doing so much with cakes comes from what I was willing to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So when people see a big success, you know, in the back of your mind, OK, you're congratulating me, but thank you. But I know it went into that. Like I know it's, it's amazing to see how baking cakes just open up more doors and opportunities for mm -hmm. you. how. So how did that the, that come about with doing the public speaking? Well, it goes hand in hand, meaning, uh, you know, food brings people together for one. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's everybody in the world got to eat every day. Yep. You know, if they're, if they're able to, let's say that. But. 
That's one of people's main focus every day is like, hey, what am I going to eat today? Right. So food was just a piece of people thing. You know, so cakes brings people together. Um, the speaking came from it, like every business should be like a ministry. Because I feel like in my mind, my personal view is that when you're doing it for something that's bigger than you, like when like I want people to actually see what faith in God looks like. I don't want to talk to you about it. I don't want to say, hey, you need to have faith in God. You need you. No, I want. Let me show you what God has done for me. Let me be a vessel for you, God. Let me show people what you can do if they trust you and you be obedient to what you're trying to say. Let me show them what that looks like. So knowing that that's one of my goals that I speak into existence, that's what I'm trying to say about the laws of attraction and believing that you can do what it is that you want to do. That's how speaking came about, because I want to be able to tell people this story. So in the midst of this story, he's bringing about the speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. Like it, it goes hand in hand. It's just like you meet people through cakes. So when I tell you that he can move people, places and things in your favor, you meet somebody that, that can bring a speaking engagement your way mm-hmm. through a cake. But if you don't bake cakes, you don't meet that person. Right. So that's how it comes together mm-hmm. and connects you is because you meet people through the vessel. Anything can be the vessel. Have you have you ever thought about going into the ministry or? Man, people ask me that a lot because I'm, I'm so passionate about God. I'm so passionate about faith. I don't claim to be this holier than thou Christian. I don't ever want to be put on that pedestal, but mm-hmm. I do want to be put on that pedestal as a strong believer in God and as, as a person that, that, that gives God honor and glory for everything that's going on in my mm-hmm. life. So I do want to be that guy, but I don't see myself being an actual pastor. I don't want to be a traditional pastor. I just want to share what God has done for me. And I feel like I don't have to be a pastor to do that. I feel like church can happen anywhere, just like right here today in, in my home. We can talk about God. We could. I, I just want to tell people, man, how good he is to me mm-hmm. and how good he can be to you and, and what he's done for me. And just continue to share that because the, the whole thing is is just he- what helping people believe in something bigger than them, man, so they can achieve bigger things in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else for we're almost, almost done. I know. No, no, you're good. Take your time. Oh, um, I see you got some books over here. So mm-hmm. for people listening, um, tell them some books, some gr- great books to read. Well, first, uh, Thank You Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I told you without you even knowing, without you having read this book yet, that you're doing something very similar to what Napoleon Hill has done. Napoleon Hill uh, went around and interviewed every successful person during that era. And he interviewed them in depth, just like you're doing with me today. And he kind of just took all of those people and put them in like this category to try to understand what it was that a successful man did to become a success. And he found that it was a lot of similarities that each man had took into a, into his account to become successful. So this book really changed my life. It really, I owe a lot of, lot of things to it, man, because it just, it caused me to think different. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is over there. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. one of the first books I actually started reading, but it, it's, it's all about perspective. All mm-hmm. the books speak to you in a different way. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great book to start with because it's an easy read and it's an easy way to transition into uh, thinking different, mm-hmm. put it that way. Exactly. And it just opens your mind. And then from there on, you start picking up different books. Uh, this book right here, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, was, was a it, it was a masterpiece. I, I really think to get rich. I mean, it just and, and, and I know these books talk about rich, rich, rich. 
it doesn't necessarily talk about money, man. It's not about money. It's about your mind being rich. When you think rich, you are rich. It's that simple. But this book was so powerful to me because it broke down every aspect of like how you feel about money and how that affects how you receive money into your life. And it talks about your paradigm shifts, about growing up, believing something. You know, like we have these old superstitions that's in our head. And if we say it when, and we start to believe those superstitions, it changes the way we think and how we maneuver. You know what I mean? It's just like you say when you say superstition, superstition says, oh, don't leave your front door open. Or if you walk outside, you trip and fall afterwards. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you actually believe that. So you miss out on a beautiful view because you don't leave your door open. And it's just something simple like that. All I'm saying is we're trained to think a certain way. And in return, just like you said, uh, asked that question earlier about blocking blessings. We can block our blessings by the way we think and believe. And so these books are the top three that have changed my life. Um, but I would encourage them to just read something positive every day. I would encourage them to start listening to uh, speakers, you know, put the radio down, put the put the music away for a while. You know, when I started my journey and that's why I call it a personal journey, because you have to bring you have to invite that into your life um, for three months straight. I didn't listen to any music or anything. When I was in my car, I played something called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. And I talk about that because it's so powerful. A lot of people overlook it or they 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 hear it and believe that it's, it's, it's just a bunch of talk. Mm -hmm. But it's real. The laws of attraction are real. You can speak things into existence. It's, it's so real that that I'm just so thankful to be here today, to be on your platform, to be able to speak about it, man. And hopefully the people that hear this just really take it into account and really believe that it's real. You're powerful. Mm -hmm. You can do anything you put your mind to, man. You, you always say you're an amazing person born to do amazing things. Like go after that, believe that. So books really changed my life. Those are just three that really changed my life that, that brought me into it. Yeah, I got I can honestly say Rich Dad Poor Dad was the book that kind of made me look at things from a different perspective. Yeah. Cause I, I went to school at upstate. Mm -hmm. And you know, for me, I just felt like, you know, as soon as I get out of school, I'll be able to go find a job, no problem. And just looking at how the different perspectives was, I, it made me feel like, man, did I really even need to I'm not saying education is wrong because it's a great thing to go get your education. But now I look at it like sometimes I feel like, man, was it really worth Paying all this money yeah. and then getting out of school, not being able to get a job. And then, you know, just it's like life, the life skills that you just school doesn't always give you. It's like mm -hmm. some things you just figure out, like what I'm doing now. I, I learned so much just from interviewing you or, mm -hmm. or my mentors and sports coach Cox and, and Ken Blankenship yeah. or, or uh, Mr. Elliott. Like just talking to you guys. Yeah. It, it gives me so much knowledge. It's like, man, I went to school. I mean, it, it was great for networking. Mm hmm. But then the other things that it, I just felt like I was just raw talent coming out of college. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I just needed to be molded yeah. more, so much more. But Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great book with a just from a very different perspective. I, I really think people need to read that book because it I, I it's a different way of thinking. I'd agree because when you look at it and you, you you think back, man, so many people recommend it. I mean, mm -hmm. here we are talking about it again and. My best friend, I remember recommending it to him and he loved it when he started out and it just rolled over to like, what's the next book? Like, what's mm -hmm. the next book? What's the next book? Like it rolls you over. And like I said, it's not a hard read. And I think a lot of people stay away from books. They think, oh, all these pages. And, but Rich Dad Poor Dad was really like a smooth, one mm -hmm. of the smoothest reads I ever read, man. It just kind of flowed and it taught me so much in so little time. And it really just 
all the whole book was about was a way of thinking. Mm -hmm. I just think people need to get back to read. Not saying people don't read, but you know that one of the sayings I always heard growing up was, "If you don't want a black man to know anything, put it in a book." <laughs> that's one of the sayings I always. Hey, heard. that that's true with anybody, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people just won't go searching for themselves. I have something I've always said: knowledge does not come with age, mm -hmm. but it is granted to the men and women who choose to seek it. So it's like the book has always been right there. You just chose not to pick it up. So you can't blame the world. The world didn't say you couldn't go to the library and pick up this book. And I admit, after college, pretty much, or really after high school, Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first book that I actually went to the bookstore and bought on my own mm -hmm. to start reading. So you're looking at since high school was in 20, I mean, 2011, I mean, 2001. And the, the next book I really picked up on my own was 2014, mm -hmm. man. When I bought my second car, the guy was telling me, it was, you know, it's just like you said, thing, everything happens for a reason. So when I bought my car, the guy was asking me why I worked and he was like, you know, just don't settle for anything. Mm -hmm. He said, don't, don't never be, get too comfortable. So he told me just, when you get a chance to go check out this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And when I went and picked it up, it was just like, wow, like stuff. I just felt like, man, missing out on so much. And I wanted to touch on something else real quick about uh, just letting people know that, man, life, life is happening for you, man. Meaning. I always think positive. I always take the mm -hmm. positive out of every situation. I think we like to play victim a lot. And when, when something happens to us, we focus on the negative so much that we forget to see the blessing that happened to it. And, and uh, I remember just uh, my little work truck outside. It's been stolen from me twice. Mm. Just, just my little work truck. doesn't look like much. It doesn't even look like something you want to steal. My point is I had two cars at, at one point and I was real comfortable. And I love driving my work truck every day. Love driving it. It was so dependable. And the one day I didn't drive it and it got stolen from me. And I remember having a Cadillac on some rims. And I remember replacing three of the rims just because of the potholes and things like that. So I really grew to, it was a clean car, but I was really like, I didn't like driving it. Mm -hmm. And when I lost my truck, I really found out how much I didn't like driving it. It made me miserable because every pothole place I was, I was right. you know. Like, uh, uh, thinking I'm going to bust another tie and have to replace it and pay $300-something. So long story short, my mind had been transitioning into business mm -hmm. and, like, traveling and doing things. So I wanted to get a fresh car. It was on my mind, but because I had two cars that were both paid off, I'm comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes life happens for you. My truck got stolen. And I thought it was gone. I didn't think I'd get it back. But it got stolen long enough to where I drove the Cadillac. It made my life so miserable, I went and got a brand new car. Right? Mm -hmm. A month after I got the brand new car, my truck was returned to me. But ever since I got that car, it opened up so many doors because that new car put me in a fresher feeling to get out here and travel, to do more, to do a lot of things. So what I thought was a tragedy ended up being a blessing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to go through things like, you know what I mean? Like I said, your muscle, in order to get stronger, you have to tear your muscle. Mm -hmm. It has to tear. Nobody talks about that part. They just say, man, I'm going to the gym. They don't go say, man, I'm going to tear some muscle so I can get stronger. Right. Nobody says that mm -hmm. but because you don't put it in that perspective. You think that everything's supposed to go smooth. It takes pain to mold you. It takes mm -hmm. a certain situation to mold you into the man you need to become. Sometimes you mm -hmm. have to get hit in the face to learn how to take a punch or else you don't know what it feels like. And you mm -hmm. get knocked out the first time because you've got a glass jaw. You've never been hit. Mm -hmm. So. The hit itself may look bad. 
Somebody be like, man, it, you got knocked out, right? But they don't understand. You just got stronger. Now the next man that try to knock you out gonna pay hell <laughs> to hot water because you because that's it. That's right. all you got. I've been mm -hmm. hit harder than that before. Oh, I'm, right. you see what I'm trying to mm -hmm. say? But until you got hit, you didn't. You were you not know. strong. You didn't mm -hmm. know what it was like to get hit. And I also want to talk about patience in life. It's like a baby. They, they like when does a baby learn to walk? It walks when it walks. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Like yep. it, it walks when it walks. You don't sit here and be like, "Oh, you're too much. You need to be walking." No, it mm -hmm. just walks when it walks. It just it, it just happened to transition. We try to force things. We want things on our time, but we don't understand that we need to be molded. Things have to take place first. Mm -hmm. If the foundation isn't solid, why even build it? It makes no sense, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what people should focus on. It's the old saying called "Stop and smell the roses." People don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. They want it overnight. And I think that's what stops them from going after something like this. I've been baking cakes three years in my home. It's been a mm -hmm. tough journey. One man, one stove. It hasn't been easy. But when I get to where I'm going, all of these long nights in the kitchen, everything's going to be worth mm -hmm. it. But if I didn't take the time to invest in these cakes, take the time to really mold that batter. That's why I use an old-fashioned kitchen uh, blender. Mm -hmm. People laugh at it. I don't use a KitchenAid. Why? Because a KitchenAid does all the work. An old-fashioned blender, I get to get in there and play with that batter. I get mm -hmm. to get in there and mold it and whip it how I like to whip it, and that's why my cakes are different. And I, I think people only just see the outcome. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't know the journey like you were saying. Oh, you they do not know through. the behind the scenes. They, they don't know. They only see the outcome. They just see the cakes, but they don't know the full story of what you That's with everything. Mm -hmm. I tell people, when you ride by, I see a mall built or a bilo or a Chick-fil-A, you automatically think that's something you can't do because you see the finished product. And you say, man, that's a beautiful building. Or, man, you're successful. Like, when you become successful, you already are. But when mm -hmm. you become where you want to be, it's going to be somebody that sees you and say, man, I wish I could be where you are, man. They're going to really they believe that they can't. But they don't know that you came from Union. That You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They don't understand that you came from a small town just like, just like everybody else. That's why I go talk to these kids and I say, I'm being hard. And, yes, I made it to the NFL for a little bit. And, yes, I did this. But I'm from Wellford, South Carolina, man. The smallest, biggest town you never heard of. Right? Mm -hmm. I make sure they know that because you need to know that, yes, you see all these big accomplishments, but I'm from a small town just like you are. So that's all. That's it, man. I just wanted to let them know that, man, have patience. Believe in yourself. Understand that the journey, the like they say, the journey is more important than the destination. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that a lot because we want it so bad. You know, we want to be rich right now because we feel like being rich, you could pay all these people off. You could pay your debts off. And yep. can't nobody right. say nothing to me That's no true. more. Like we so we so ready to get to that that level of fame and fortune that we forget that who we're going to become. Mm -hmm. I've become such a better man, such a such a more wiser person. My intellect is just so deep, man. I've just learned so much from the speakers, the experience. I've, I've, I've messed up so many cakes. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? I budgeted. I've. I, I went broke. I mean, it's so much that has happened, man. Lost a car. Like, a lot of things mm -hmm. have happened, man, that I've sacrificed that people don't see because they only see the picture. You know, they only see you posting a picture on Facebook or something. And people are like, oh, you must be successful. You know, people call and they see the magazine and they're like, oh, congratulations. And they think that that just means, oh, you made it. Mm -hmm. Man, no, I got to get back in the kitchen tonight, man. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a full-time grind. One last question for no you. What's what do you ultimately want to accomplish? 
I don't think that's really a question that I can answer, man, because it's like once you started attacking goals, you start to realize that you can do anything. You start to realize that you should never get comfortable, like you said. Mm -hmm. So it's like when you say ultimately want to accomplish, I don't think I'm in a position to answer that right mm -hmm. now. But what I can say is that I'm going to just continue challenging myself. That's one thing I've always been good at. You know, even with the celibacy thing, it was a challenge. Like you, you really don't understand who you are until you start putting challenges on yourself. Mm -hmm. Until you start saying, man, I wonder if I can go a year without eating meat or something. You know, just anything. And you start to realize that the human mind is so powerful that you can really transform yourself. You can do anything that you wish to do. Right. But if you want to talk about some futuristic goals, I will put it out there because that's how you achieve them. You speak them. You put you put them out there. Mm -hmm. You let people know what they are. So if somebody can call you and say, man, I thought you was going to do this. Right. Mm hmm. And and then and, and that right there makes you, you know, do it. But I want to be a, a great speaker. I want to be able to talk to and speak to and be in front of as many people as I can in life. I see myself speaking in front of thousands of people, man. I see myself following the lines of Les Brown and Eric Thomas and guys that I looked up to. And I know that's a big thing to speak, but hey, I know for a fact they started right where mm -hmm. I am, right? So that's what gives me confidence to say that. I want to be an author. I want to write books about life and success and things like that. And I just want to inspire the, as many people as I can in life. That's my mm -hmm. ultimate goal, man. How many people can I inspire? Mm -hmm. That's the best feeling in the world, man. If somebody can tell you, hey, man, you inspired me to go be a better person. That's, that you that, feel good. That, that's music good. to your ears. Mm -hmm. So that's all I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to inspire people, period. Mm -hmm. So if that means I got to continue challenging myself, I can't get comfortable. I got to continue showing people that even, hey, hey I'm all, I'm here. I'm rich. I'm a millionaire. I'm, I still got goals. Right. Right. I still chasing something like so that's my biggest goal. Like that's my ultimate goal is just to continue inspiring as many people. Like Even at 96 years old, if I live to be 96, mm -hmm. I still want to look somebody and say, you can do it. Like, I, like mm -hmm. you can do it. Like, even if it's just three words I can get out of my mouth, I just, <laughs> you can do it. You know what I'm saying? So right. that's my ultimate goal is to inspire as many people as I can, man. All right. Well, Miss Ben, thank you so much for sitting down. It was a, a lengthy interview, which I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I learned so much. You inspire me. Um, Just the advice that, that you've been giving me over the past weeks, just talking mm -hmm. to you, man. It, it's been really great and fulfilling for me. Thank you, um, You keep inspiring me to do what I love. And I, I'm just really appreciative, and thank I thank you. you for your time. Appreciate you, man. All thank right. You. Hopefully, everybody listening, uh, tuning in. Hope you learned something. Um, keep chasing dreams. Oh, real quick, do you have any social media or anything you want to give out for people that want to? Uh, yeah, they anything? can follow me on Facebook, Ben Hall. I also have a website, a uh, more professional website for uh, cakes and speaking engagement and things like that. BigBenHall.com. That's BigBenHall.com. B-I-G-B-E-N Hall. H-A-L-L.com. Uh, Big Ben's Desserts on Facebook, Big Ben's Desserts on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I look forward to connecting with new people, man. Mm -hmm. And don't, feel free to reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out, ask any questions, especially, uh, you know, your feedback on this interview and what you thought. And uh, that's about it, man. All right. Well, thank you. There you have it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Till next time, this is the Cross the Line Podcast. Keep tuning in. Um, keep chasing dreams. Be blessed. Thank you.